0: Thanks for joining us this morning. If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Next week starts the um, at beginning of... It's the first Sunday of Advent next Sunday. And also, Lord willing, we'll have a baptism here uh, next Sunday as well as... well as uh, So uh, that's very exciting. So as we look forward uh, to Christmas and Advent coming up, we'll start that next Week, but we've been going through a series, uh, and we'll continue even next week, on this, through this fall, called God Is. Just looking at the attributes of God and who He is and anchoring ourselves to, that, to the attributes. The chief purpose of man, the old catechism question is, what is the chief purpose of man? Which just to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And A.W. Tozer said the, the person who comes to a right belief about God will be relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. So the more we look at God and see how big God is and know how our great God is, it does help us relieve the temporal problems that are surrounding all of us. And Psalm 147 verse 5 says this, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. This morning we're going to look at God is all knowing. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for the chance to gather together freely. Lord, thanks to be able to worship you. Lord, thanks for how you work in our lives and are working in people's lives. And God, I pray you just give us the grace that we need and that we would look to you. God, I pray you to protect us from evil. I pray that you'd guard our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray you just teach us today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to see you for who you are and see God for who he is. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If, if, if I only knew, have you ever said that? Situation comes up and you say, if, it's just, if, if I only, if I just only knew. So many people have said to me as we've gone through this past year, the part of the problem is if I just don't know how long it's going to last, all these changes, if I just knew when things would get back to what would be normal, I just don't know. If I only knew, it would be so much more helpful. Not knowing things makes us very nervous, doesn't it? Just not knowing what's going to take place, it causes all kinds of uh, nervous energy in us. And not knowing can also make you very negative. It, just can, it can drag us down, because we think the worst thing's going to happen. So it makes us nervous, it can make us negative. There, there's a few things that are worse uh, than, than, than not knowing. When you look at your own life, you just say, I, I, if I only knew you know, what was going to happen, or if I if I just knew why that did happen, or if I wonder if I, I wonder how this is going to happen, or when this is going to happen, or where this is going to happen, if I just only knew, it just feels so much better, and I have I would just move forward. And not only not knowing things bothers us, but the things that we know we forget. I mean, knowledge is passing through us constantly. Uh, When you think of things you just can't remember or the things that you're supposed to remember and then that you forgot, and then when you hear of people who are losing their memories, never to get them back again, their whole life, everything that they gathered, all the information, and it's just gone. They can't remember their own husband, their own wife, their own kids. And then knowledge for us can also make us very proud. Last week, SpaceX Falcon 9 launched from Florida. And Maria Lewis, who was on the the space launch takeoff, anybody saw it? She says this as it was called resilience, and she said, As resilience rises, not even gravity contains humanity as we explore as one for all. Not even gravity contains humanity. Really? Step outside of SpaceX, and I'm sure gravity will not contain humanity. It is, it is in human nature. The more we know, the more puffed up we get. The Bible says that in Proverbs, that pride can, knowledge puffs up. It can make us proud. and does the opposite of what it's supposed to do. Knowledge can also numb us. Or you, you know what could happen that's bad. And just, you just, you callous your heart and prepare yourself for that. Knowledge can also, though, nurture us to joy, to help, and to hope. When I was growing up, maybe even a few years younger than me, the G.I. Joe cartoons were out. Everybody remember that? The end of every G.I. Joe cartoon. That whatever the lesson was, they always ended it with, and knowing is half the battle. It's all about knowledge. Knowing is half the battle. If you know something, you can succeed. And knowing who to know. And knowing how to know is a great benefit, but the, knowing the one who knows all makes all the difference. We have a God who is omniscient, who knows everything. So this morning, we're just going to look at first what God knows and what a knowing God knows about our woes and what are some responses to that knowing God. But first, what, what does God know? What does what God know? The, the, the word we use is God is omniscient, which just is two words. Omni means just all. Last week we looked at God being um, all, pre, uh, all present. He's, he's everywhere. This word all, it means all, and it's another word for knowledge. God has all knowledge. Psalm 139, if you want to flip over the there, I'm going to read a number of scriptures this morning. And I would encourage you, lean into when you hear the scriptures being read. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, says this, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Hebrews 4.13 says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And First John 3.20 says it the simplest, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. God knows everything. He's omniscient. So I'm going to define omniscient as this. God knows everything, everything possible, Everything actual, all events, all creatures. God knows the past, the present, and the future. He is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven, in earth, and in hell. Somebody else defined it this way. God knows everything means God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. What God knows is God knows everything. He's omniscient. God knows himself and all that in himself knows. We we don't even know our own selves, do we? We we think we know ourselves. And then something happens, and we we, we shock ourselves. We, we we will say, "I didn't know I had that in me. I didn't know that that's the way I was." God God's not like that. God knows Himself completely, and all that is in Him, He knows. Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty seven says this: "All things," Jesus said, "All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses." to reveal him. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10 and 11 says these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. God knows himself. God knows himself fully and completely as father, son and holy spirit. God knows everything about him and he lives in complete unity and without any surprise whatsoever. God never learns anything new. He just he just he just knows. God knows himself and all that is himself knows which is exactly opposite of what idols know. And in Isaiah chapter forty one God has harsh things about people who would follow after idols. and this was the big complaint do they, do they know? Do they know anything and isaiah forty one verses twenty two says let, them bring, let let them bring them and tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are, that we may consider them and isaiah forty four seven says Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare it and set it before him. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Only God can do that. Idols can't do that. God totally mocks and is extremely sarcastic when he talks about following idols. And his question is, do they know the future? Do they know the past? I do. I know what took place in those things. God knows himself and he knows all that in himself knows. He knows everything, but I don't... Not only that, God knows all actual, possible, past, present, and future events. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10 says, I am the God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from the from a far country. I have spoken, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed, and I will do it. He, he knows all things, actual, possible, past, present, and future, and he knows them at, at one time. It's not like he's learning all along. God, God just sees time and he, he just knows. He just knows it in an instant. He, he knows everything about it. It's, A.W. Tozer said said it this way. God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirits and all spirits, all beings and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law. All relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feelings, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven and hell. Because God knows all things perfectly. He knows no things better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He's never surprised never amazed, he never wonders about anything, nor does he seek information or ask questions. That's what God knows. And God knows it all without hesitation, any calculation, or any complication, or any confusion. God is not like us. And we are not like God. He knows it all, and he never gets flustered. He never gets confused. He never has a pause to consider what he should do. In 2018, when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, and towards the end, they were on the, on the goal, goal line, and they, they weren't sure what to do, and Nick Foles comes running off, and I'll never forget it. I kept rewinding it after over and over and watching it. He comes running off to the, the sidelines, And he yells out this play to his coach, Philly Philly, or Philly Special. And Doug Peterson stood there for a moment and in a split-second decision, you could see his whole body just shake for a moment as he contemplated and he made the call and he said, yes, I went on to do that play and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Nick Foles caught his touchdown. But in a moment, God doesn't do that. God doesn't have an idea come to him and he has to pause for a second and process it. God just knows. He just knows what to do with There's no hesitation. Remember when President Bush heard about 9 11 sitting in Florida at the school in that video, and they came up and they whispered into his ear, and you can watch his mind get blown for a second as his eyes roll back into his head, and he tries to think what to do, and he just takes that big breath. God never does that. God never has to take information like that. He just knows it. He just, he's, he's aware of all this. There's no hesitation. There's no calculation. What should I do next now that this took place? What am I going to do? What's my next step? There, there's no confusion in him. Recently, they did an a, a unbelievable magnified picture of a human cell, which looks like that. And in the human body, there are 30 trillion human cells that God knows all about and he never mixes them up. He's never confused by them. He never forgets your name. He never knows, he he never doesn't realize where you are. He's never confused or let something happen that, that he wasn't prepared for. That's God. There is a belief that God doesn't know all these things. That somehow God only learns things and the future has to take place and he's God. He's capable of being God, but things happen that he's not aware of. But when it happens, he can calculate and he can, he can figure it all out. That, that's not how the Bible describes God at all. God the Bible describes God, and God revealed himself to us as a God who just knows it all. There is no hesitation, there is no calculation, there is no complication, and there is no confusion with what God knows about you and about your life and about our circumstances, and he's fully aware, and he is in control of it all. That's what God knows as God has revealed himself to us. But if God knows all, and God is good, like he says, what about my whys, you might say? Or what about the the what-ifs that have happened to me? Or what about the woes that have come up? I mean, if this God, who knows all, like the Bible says, then what about the things that have happened to me that haven't been good, that aren't good, that I wonder about, and that 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 they're causing me pain and suffering and all these woes? How do you answer that, God? If that's who you are, and you know the human cells that way, then what about how I feel right now with all these woes and whys and what-if questions that I don't have an answer to? What's a knowing God's response to our woes. I mean, evil exists. Evil is real. We know that. We've experienced it. And you have an enemy, the Bible says, an evil one, Satan, who is like a roaring lion seeking who he may destroy. But the reality is the enemy, Satan, is not all-knowing. Satan doesn't know everything. He 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 isn't able to know the the heart and mind like God does. Hebrews chapter 4 says that the the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divine asunder of soul and spirit, to the thoughts and intents of the hearts. That's what God can know about us. He knows our thoughts and our intents before we even say them, it says. Before a word comes out of our mouth in Psalm 139, Satan does not have that ability. He, He does not have that knowledge. Only God does. So the question is, God's on the the one we wonder. Why then, God, are you allowing this to take place? Why are you letting this happen to me? What are you going to do with my woes? Since you know it all, you could have stopped all of it. So what's your response? All-knowing God. God's response to that would be to say to us, the wondering's not wrong. You read the book of Job. The whole book is about an all-knowing God and an infinite man not knowing. And God's response to that answer. When it comes to our woes and our worries, the first thing we need to know is the wondering is not wrong. It's not wrong to to wonder and to doubt and to question. And to even say, God, is it true that you know everything? Because I'm right now having a Hard time believing it. It's not wrong, the Bible would say. God puts Scripture all over the place of people who doubted and questioned and wondered, and He revealed it that way. And He said, it's, it's not wrong to wonder about your woes. It's not wrong, wrong to, to wrestle with it. There was a man who wrote a book actually called Still Wrestling, Les Ferguson. He was a pastor down in uh, Alabama. In 2011, he came home from working out to see squad cars all around his house. He tries to run in to see what was going on. His wife and his handicapped son were murdered by people that they knew from someone in his church. And the story only got worse from that as more of the details came out of why it took place. And an all-knowing God allowed it, saw it, knew it, but it's not wrong to wonder with the same pain. And in his book, he quoted this, faith isn't the absence of doubt. It's the decision to believe in something contrary to what you observe. When God came to Job, and Job came to God and asked him over again, why are you allowing this to take place? God never stopped him from asking. He never questioned his wondering. It's right and it's okay to question and to wonder. There's, there's no wrong in that. But faith is the, is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the decision to believe in something contrary to what you observe. Job could have said, I don't see any reason to believe that God is good. I don't see any reason to believe that God is all-knowing. I don't see any reason to believe that God is everywhere. It doesn't feel like that. But Psalm 103, Thirty-nine says it's true. When you, I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. And it's true. So it's not wrong to wonder. And that actually the wrestling in it is right. When we're struggling... The, the answer of our woes is not, hey, just rush through and get your response. Find the, find the quickest thing to hold on to just so you feel better about it. That, that's not how God talks about it at all. G- Jesus would say the wrestling with it is right. There, there's nothing wrong with it. Matthew 11, again, Jesus said, "'Come to me, all who, are lab- who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus doesn't say get over it. God doesn't say get over it. The struggles you deal with. He he says the wrestling's right. So much so that he says when you're wrestling, when you're wondering, when you're struggling, come to me. Because I'm gentle and lowly and learn from me. Because I know it all. And I can teach you. I can show you. I can help you. Learn for me. And in the midst of it, when you wonder, what am I supposed to do with these woes, these struggles, when a God is supposed to know it all, you worship in the midst of the mystery. This was what God said to Job. You go back and read the last part of Job, Job 38 through 42. God takes Job on a, on a visit to the zoo. The last couple of verses. He takes him around and he says, hey, look at this horse, Job. Are you here? Did you make his mane? Did you make the dinosaurs? Did you make a leviathan? Did you see the, did you know they help the goats when they have given birth in the mountains? This is God's response to Job when Job's wondering about his woe. God, God says, hey, come, come look at this. Look at all these animals, Job. Did you do any of this? Do you know how any of them got to, go, to be there? And God's response to Job, it's the same response he gives to us, is, is listen, I'm an all-knowing God, and you're not. And we have to accept the limits to our human knowledge, but know this, that your suffering, as Elizabeth Elliot said, your suffering is not for nothing. Romans chapter 8, it says, even Paul wondered about these things. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, and the, the King James, I think it's, I reckoned, which means he thought, to st- it's not wrong to wonder. If we are hurt and struggled, and are, we're suffering with all these woes and unanswered questions that we don't know, it is not wrong to wonder or to wrestle to it, but we worship in the midst of it because Paul himself said, you know, I considered, I thought about it, I tried to know. I wondered about it, but I considered, and the more I thought, and the more I leaned, I considered that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed for us, for the creation waits for eager longing. It's it's, it's groaning. An all-knowing God's response to our woes is just to let God be God. He would say, let me be God, and Job, who suffered more. And God revealed this to us. He said, I want you to know this. I want you to see a man who suffered, and I want you to know this. And Job's response at the end, it was, I didn't know. So I shut my mouth, and I just worshiped God. While he kept wondering, the response to that is to lean deeply in to the one true deep God. If you have a shallow, small view of God, your woes will always be woes. With no hopeful answer, but leaning into a deeply, deep God and seeing who He is, our response to that is to know this all-knowing God. He wants us to know this. How do we respond then to an all-knowing God? What He wants us to do is He wants us to comfort ourselves with this reality. I mean, there's, there's no more joy, is there? When you have a problem that you don't know, and you know somebody who knows, and you call them up, and you say, hey, I, I need some help here, and they tell you exactly how to fix it, how to deal with it, or you're dealing with something in your life, and you got some mature, you know, older person who's experienced part of that, and you can sit down with them, and you, you get their wisdom, and it helps you. There's no better feeling to be like, I, I was helped. This is how God wants us to know about him. Comfort yourself with the reality that God knows everything. This all-knowing God who has seen everything about you, knows everything about you, this is what he says about you. He says in Psalm 139, after he we went through this whole list of how much he knows, he says, how precious to me. Are your thoughts, O oh God? How vast is the sum of them? If I would count them, they are more than the sand, I awake and I'm still with you. Whatever you have suffered, whatever you're dealing with, whatever struggles of things you don't know, the, the, the reality that God is all-knowing is an unbelievable comfort, because it gives us this, an identity and a security and a source of hope that that God thinks about you. More than the sand and the sea. Constantly. He never leaves you. He's always with you. It's an absolute source of help. John Newton said, How wonderful to know that all our concerns are held in the hands that bled for us. The deepest hurts that you're feeling right now are known by a God who went to the cross and bled for you and gave his life for you. The all-knowing God should comfort you with that. And it also should then confront yourself, confront us with the reality that you're not smarter than God. Job was not smarter than God. We're not smarter than God, which is why I would just encourage us as a church be very careful with our conspiracies. Be very careful with our ideas of what we think's going on in the world and around us. We don't know. The all-knowing God knows. So confront yourself with that reality. That we're not smarter than God. There may be conspiracies going on, but we don't know. And we need to be very careful what we spread and how we spread it. And we need to be very careful with our assumptions. Assumption is sin. Assumption is saying that you know what? I can judge a situation by the small amount of facts that I know, and because I feel like I know this, I must be right. You know how many times assumptions are wrong? In families, in churches, amongst friends, and you get all set to believe and go attack and do something in in, in, in the old testament. In Joshua chapter 22, there's the the people of Israel, the the, the tribes of Israel. One of them, they built an altar by the Jordan River, which was not the right thing to do. The rest of the tribes heard about it. They got so mad, they were going to go attack their own people. And one of the men said, we probably should ask why they did it. And they found out why they did it, and it wasn't wrong to do. But had they followed their assumption, they would have killed their own people. Assumptions and an all knowing God, we need to be very careful what we assume about the church, about other people in the church, about situations that we think we know all the details about and all the facts. And we later find out that, you know what, God's working in their life just as much as He's working in my life. And we need to confront ourselves with the reality that we are not God. We are not smarter than God who knows all and is. All. So, we need to comfort ourselves with it. We need to confront ourselves with it. And then we just need to come yourself humbly to God in this reality. He ends Psalm 139 with this He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. With an all-knowing God, we can say, "God, I want you to. I want you to search me, and then I want you to lead me." First Peter chapter two, verses twenty-one through twenty-five says this: "For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you." But you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The all-knowing God knows enough about us that he still chose us. He still came for us. He still rescued us. He still went to the cross for us. He knows what you did last year. He knows what you did last week. He knows what you did in the future. He sees it all. He knows every thought and intense of your heart. And he says, I still want you. And he just says, come to me, let him search you, come to him, repent and believe and trust him. Such knowledge, the psalmist said, is too wonderful. Trust yourself to the all-knowing God through Jesus Christ.